Invention brings you the case of the dead adventurous with Mark Hall and Christian Peterson in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And now, let's look in on the genial Dr. Watson and see what a story he has waiting for us. Good evening, Doctor. Evening, Mr. Foreman. Take your coat off, and your scarf, and your gloves, and your galoshes. That's it. It's certainly raining cats and dogs out tonight. Come and sit by the fire and warm yourself up. Thank you, Doctor. Are ready for tonight's story? Yes, I'm all set, as you say. Last week you told us your adventure took place in the south of France. Yes, Mr. Foreman. And you can imagine yourself basking in the sunshine of the Riviera with Holmes and myself in the early 1900s. Perhaps it'll help you forget what a beastly night it is outside. I've forgotten that already, Doctor. How did your story begin? Simple enough. Holmes and I were staying in Nice when we were visited at our hotel by a young Englishman. Honorable Reginald Shipton. The boy was in serious trouble and had to come to Holmes for help. And I'm sure he got it? He did, though in giving it, Holmes was arrested for murder. For murder? said Doctor. How did a thing like that happen to the great Sherlock Holmes? That's what I was going to tell you. The boy had become involved with a, a, a rather notorious French lady, Madame Corvet. She was much older than he, though I must admit she was a glamorous creature, and the boy's Infatuation was understandable, at least I found it so. Unfortunately, he had given the lady an exquisite diamond and sapphire necklace. That was a family heirloom, although he overlooked the fact that he had not yet inherited it. Then, of course he hadn't the right to make the gift. Of course he hadn't. And when his father, Lord Shipton, learned what had happened, he threatened to disinherit him unless he got the necklace back. And so, the boy comes to arms with a problem. At first, the great man tried the ordinary methods of handling the case. He approached the Madame Corvée directly and was told to mind his own business. He tried persuasion, deception, he even went to the police, but to no avail. Finally, one night, he appeared. It was frantic, because I knew he was in danger, and so I got in trouble with the police. Within half an hour, Inspector Charel telephoned me to come over to Madame Corvée's villa at once. Holmes was in a serious trouble. And, of course, you rushed over there. As fast as a carriage could carry me. My fears increased as I drew up at the villa and saw a cordon of police guards guarding the building. But as I got inside and saw my old friend, a cold terror struck at my heart. There he was in the library. Madame Corvée, lying at his feet, with her throat slashed. And in Holmes' hand was a blood-stained dagger. You can imagine that, Monsignor Cherel, the chief of police, said as I came in. Dr. Watson. Your famous friend has made his last mistake. Great heavens! What's going on? Holmes, tell me. Madame Corvey has been murdered, Watson, and unfortunately our friend, Monsieur Charel, seems to be under the impression that I killed her. But that's utterly ridiculous. Is it? Then how do you account for the fact that when we came here just now, Mr. Holmes was standing here alone with a corpse? Well, Holmes, why didn't you explain what happened? I've already done so, but Monsieur Cherel doesn't seem to believe me. However, for your benefit, I came back here to try and have another talk with Madame Corvey. I found the front door open, and 
walked in to discover the safe looted and his owner stabbed to death. I picked up the dagger from the floor to examine it, and as I did so, Monsieur Charel and the police came in. I should have thought that a great detective like you, Monsieur Holmes, could have thought of a more ingenious lie than that. Take him away to the city. Come along, Monsieur. Tell that policeman to take his hands off you, Holmes. But I haven't the right to, my dear chap. You see, just before you arrived, Monsieur Chirot had arrested me for murder. And there my old friend was, spending the night in custody. And I suppose you stayed right there with him, Doctor? Not for long, Mr. Foreman. He, he, he gave me a little drug to do. Let me tell you just what happened. The next morning, found us in the office of the Prefect of Police. There we were, Holmes and I, Inspector Chirot, and the various witnesses connected with this case. It was a strange sight of Holmes stood there defending himself. Quiet, quiet! Monsieur Sherlock Holmes is an eminent visitor in our country. That is why this preliminary investigation is being held in private. Though he has been caught under extremely incriminating circumstances, let us at least extend him the courtesy of a fair hearing. Proceed. Mr. Holmes, you have told us that you were brought into the case in the first place at the request of the Honorable Reginald Shipdim. Am I right? Yes, Monsieur Le Prefect. Is the Honorable Reginald Shipdim present? Here, Monsieur Prefect. Do you corroborate the evidence so far given by Monsieur Holmes? Yes, he's told the truth so far. But if I'd known that he was going to murder Madame Cave, I would have strangled him myself. Quiet! Please confine yourself to answering questions. Proceed, Mr. Holmes. What is your next move? To meet Madame Corvey and try and reason with her. And how did you accomplish this aim? My client informed me that Madame Corvey was giving a large ball at her villa that night. I suggested that he take my old friend Dr. Watson and myself along with him to meet the lady. And did you meet her? Oh, yes, Mr. Le Prefect. We arrived about 8 o'clock to find a crowd of 150 people or more dancing to the music of a string orchestra. A very distinguished gathering, Mr. Shipton. Madame Corvée must be extremely popular. Too confoundly popular for my liking, Dr. Watson. Where is Madame Corvée? I should like to meet her as soon as possible. These affairs are not much in my line. I think it's rather ridiculous if you ask me. Hello. Reginald. I was not expecting to see you here. I'm sorry to surprise you. Won't you introduce me to your friends? Monsieur Le Duc de Boncourt, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. Hello. How do you do? I'm here to worship at the Shrine of Venus, I suppose. <laughs> By the way, Reginald, I thought you had received your congé. From what you told me today, it seems that... I'm afraid we're in a bit of a hurry. Good evening, Monsieur Le Duc. Not jealous of me, are you, Reginald? Honk my soul, my boy. You are extraordinarily rude to him. If you didn't mind me saying so. He's an insufferable old butt, and I can't stand him. He thinks that because you did smiles at him for the moment that he's going to marry him. The Duke is the current favorite, I take it. Ah, Monsieur Sherlock Holmes. How are you? I'm afraid I don't know you, Monsieur. No. I know you and your friend, Dr. Watson. Oh, really? I don't remember meeting you, sir. This is Monsieur Charel, inspector of the Chute. 
when distinguished rivals honor my town with their presence, Monsieur Holmes, I make it my business to recognize them. That's very flattering of you. Not at all. You're not here on business, I suppose. Oh dear me, no. On pleasure, Monsieur. Purely on pleasure. Splendid. You'll find Madame Covey's parties enchanting, I'm sure. Au revoir, Monsieur. Charming fellow. Do you think so? He's just an old fool who thinks he vets in love with him. There's a vet now. Come on, I'll introduce you. And then I'll get out of the way. I don't want to talk to her more than I have to. Vivette! Reginald, how nice to see you. I did not know you were coming. I changed my mind. Vivette, I want you to meet two friends of mine. Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. Enchanté, messieurs. How do you do, Madame Corby? I'm extremely glad to meet you, madame. They want to talk to you privately, so I'll leave you. Reginald, you silly boy, come back here! <laughs> he is so young, isn't he? Youth has its charm of its own, monsieur. But for a woman like myself, I find it a little trying for too long at a time. It is more soothing to be with people my own age, like yourselves. <laughs> Awfully nice of you to say so, madame. But I know we're both a great deal older than you are. Nonsense. But your friend, he has, uh, how you say, the long face. What is the matter, Mr. Holmes? Nothing, madame, except that I'd, I'd like to have a little business talk with you. Business? With this music playing? No, no, no. Your friend shall dance with me. I shall be very proud to take you for a twirl, madame. Corvey, for forgive me, madame, and what's an old chap, but I must insist on this business talk first. Business? You are very tiresome. But because I like your friend, I will talk business with you. Come and sit over here. The diamond and sapphire necklace you're wearing, madam. I presume it's the one Lord Chipton's son gave you? Yes. What of it? Do you mind if I examine it? Yes, I do. Very much. What are you, a diamond buyer? No, I'm a friend of Mr. Shipton's. He asked me to try and persuade you to return the necklace to him. The insolent puppy! It is mine! He gave it to me, in he, front of witnesses! He had no right to, madam. It did not belong to him. Then he is a thief, and that is no concern of mine. He made a gift, and I accepted it. Would you consider uh, selling back your gift? No, I would not! Are you sure? Reginald would pay a fair price for it, and it may have depreciated in value since you have received it, you know. Go away! Go away before I have you thrown out! I'm awfully sorry, madame. My friends really, uh... Go away! Both of you! You bore me! Bond my soul. Never seen a woman change her tone so quickly. Fascinating creature, though. If there's one thing I like in a woman, it's spirit. Rubbish! Madame Colby's an adventuress. Why, why'd you say that, Holmes? Because, although she wouldn't let me examine the necklace, I was able to detect that the diamonds have been replaced by imitations. Good land! You mean that she sold the originals? Undoubtedly. Sold them or kept them. Mr. Holmes. Yes, my boy? I was just looking for you. What's wrong? I want to leave at once. I've just heard that Yvette's going to announce her engagement to the Duc de Boncourt tonight. I don't want to stay. I quite understand. Though, if I were you, I would be relieved rather than upset by the announcement. What did she say to you when you asked her about the necklace, Mr. Holmes? Very little, but I have a feeling that you might be able to buy it back for a reasonable sum. But I've tried that, and she wouldn't part with it. Try again, my dear boy. I think my little conversation with her tonight might cause her to change her opinion as to its market value. 
quiet. I pray continue, Mr. Holmes. What happened next? Well, early the next morning, Shipton came round to see me with the information that he had recovered the necklace for a reasonable sum. Did you tell him that the diamonds had been replaced? No, Monsieur, I didn't. Why not? Well, I felt that before I told him anything about Madame Corby with any degree of authority, it was only fair to reinforce my beliefs with facts. So what did you do? The obvious thing. After all, I have no official standing in your country, and yet I knew Madame Corby was a criminal, or perhaps I should say an adventuress. And so I decided to pay a visit to Monsieur Chirel, the head inspector of your local police. After my client left, Dr. Watson and I went round to Monsieur Chirel's office. He seemed to be very pleased to see us. Ah, Monsieur Sherlock Holmes and his friend. Come in. I'm very flattered that you have come to see me. Is this a business visit, Messieurs, or am I to suppose that you have come here to make my acquaintance better? A little of both, Monsieur. Please tell me, what can I do for you? Monsieur Chirel, I was not telling you the truth at Madame Corby's party last night when I said I was there purely on pleasure. I was well aware of that, Monsieur. But how could you... Dr. Watson, very little goes on in this town that I am not aware of. Perhaps you know why I was at the party. But of course. And did you know that this morning Madame Corby parted with the necklace in consideration of a cash payment? No, I did not know that. But that is her own affair. Is your client satisfied with his bargain? Perfectly. But, you see, he doesn't know that the diamonds have been removed and replaced with imitations. I noticed that when I was talking to Madame Corby last night. Have you ever seen the necklace before? No. How do you know the necklace was ever valuable? You have said your client is satisfied. What do you wish me to do? I should like you to investigate Madame Corby. Monsieur Holmes, Yvette Corby is a brilliant and distinguished woman. Duels have been fought over her. Kings have paid homage to her. And now, because some stupid English boy has trouble over a paltry necklace, you expect me to investigate her? In France, Monsieur Holmes, we police do not work without evidence. And I think it would be good for you to remember that fact. Good day, Monsieurs. And then what happened, Monsieur Holmes? After you left Inspector Charel's office? Monsieur le Prefect, I was deeply dissatisfied. I knew in my own mind that Madame Corby was guilty, and so I decided to pay her another visit. Why did you go alone? Your friend Dr. Watson had been with you during the previous expeditions. I intended to burgle the safe, and I didn't want to incriminate my old friend in such a risky proceeding. You admit you went there to burgle the safe? Yes, Monsieur Le Prefect. But of course, when I got there, somebody had rifled the safe before me and murdered Madame Corby. Please tell me exactly what happened. I arrived at the villa just after midnight. Perhaps I should explain the villa is built around a courtyard in such a way that, short of smashing one of the ground floor windows, there are only two ways, in a door on the street and a door at the back, which opens to the beach. And which way had you proposed to try and enter? From the beach. But as I approached from that direction, I noticed a light still burning in the library. And so I circled the house to investigate the chances of entering through the front door with the aid of a skeleton key. And as I did so, I noticed to my surprise that the door was open a fraction. Of course, I went in. I tiptoed along the hallway. Everything was quiet. Suddenly I stumbled over something. It was a body. It struck a match. It was the Duke de Boncourt. At first I thought he was dead, but when I turned him over I realized he was unconscious. I decided to investigate a little further, and so I walked towards the library. I opened the door and went in. 
The lights were on, and I saw Madame Corby lying on the rug in the front of the fire with her throat slashed and a dagger lying beside her. The wall safe near the bookcase was open, empty, and I stood down and touched Madame Corby. Her body was still warm. Then I picked up the dagger by its blade and started to examine it. As I did so, I heard a rattling in the French windows leading to the courtyard. Of course, it was Inspector Sherelle. Sherlock Holmes, I caught you red-handed. Please don't wave that revolver at me, Monsieur Sherelle. Madame Covey? Is she... Yes, she's dead! Murdered! You did it? Don't be ridiculous. Then how is it that I find you, along with the murdered woman and the weapon in your hand? It's very easily explained. I came here to... Who is that? Ah, the Honorable Reginald Shipton. How did you get here? The door was open and I... <gasps> Yvette! Yvette! I'm afraid she's been murdered, my boy. Murdered? No! Judge for yourself, monsieur. Holmes. Holmes. You filthy. Don't be a fool. Use a little intelligence. Yvette's dead. Who killed her? Jennifer, take him outside. Monsieur Holmes, before I telephone your friend, Dr. Watson, I must indulge in a slight formality. And what's that, Inspector? I arrest you for the murder of Madame Yvette Gray. <laughs>